0: 10 to 1, episode 103.
1: Books 2018.
0: Welcome to 10 to 1.
1: The podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything.
0: I'm Melissa Kozer.
1: And I'm Brian Kozer. And we're back back from our vacation Woo-hoo. back from our couple week break between podcasts and back to talk about books so i guess we're probably going to talk about our cruise in a future episode right so we don't really need yeah, probably to uh, talk on our, about that tonight
0: well we could talk about the non-board game aspects
1: well are we going to do a whole podcast about the cruise or are we going to do a podcast or are we just going to talk about it on our board games podcast
0: Um, well, why don't we just talk a little bit about the non-gaming aspects now, and we had a great time, and we enjoyed ourselves, and we relaxed, and then we'll talk about the gaming aspects on our upcoming episode.
1: All right. Well, that was a good talk. I'm glad we talked about it.
0: I don't know. What else did you want to say? I went snorkeling for the first time.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Pretty great. It was a good snorkeling. And... Ate curried, curried goat for the goat first time it' very good
0: in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. if you ever go there, go to Donna's Caribbean restaurant
1: in Falmouth, Jamaica.
0: yes, so good
1: mm-hmm. and uh, you can probably you can probably find curried goat near you. I know you can here in Mobile. We're not exactly a cosmopolitan metropolis, so uh yeah, I would recommend it.
0: Yeah, but you did say that the real thing down in Jamaica was better than the the stuff made by Jamaican people here in America.
1: Yeah, no, it was better. I think even the even there, though in Falmouth they said they imported it from imported some of their ingredients. Yeah,
0: for whatever reason it wasn't as so. good that day or something, so uh I think another highlight for me was uh learning to dance the cha cha with you, Brian. <laughs> that was great.
1: Yeah, that was fun. All right. Well, that's all the cruise talk. (laughs) Let's get to books. Good
0: thing we didn't make that into a full episode.
1: Oh, well, if it were a full episode, I would have talked about it some more. I'm ready to get to books. Okay. So let's get right to it. So uh, why don't you tell us, how do you feel overall about 2018? Because I have a definite feeling myself for the year.
0: Well, I definitely read, I feel like I read fewer books.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Did Um, you? Boy, how many did I read in twenty seventeen? Let me check real quick.
1: Well you can hit uh, see previous year on your year in books on Goodreads. Ta da Where if you are not and you are a reader of books, you should be. Go make a user account at goodreads.com. You can add more friends. That was I have so friends. easy. Wow.
0: Yeah. There you go. Oh I read I read almost ten fewer books. 32 books last year, 23 books this year. Yeah. Wow. Man. Well, but I did work more on on projects and stuff, trying to actually focus on getting things done that I've just been putting off for years and years, so I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah. For me, I read about three quarters, a little bit more, more than three quarters, um, Last year, just on numbers, it was forty five. And this year, or uh, twenty seventeen, I guess it was forty five, and then twenty eighteen went down to twenty seven. But it was still about ten thousand pages. Um, my my average book was larger in twenty eighteen, um, but overall, did not feel great about the year. There's not a lot of books that I really love.
0: Yeah, I uh, I had three that you know those are the top, and yeah. then the rest of it was like well. I mean, these were good books, but I didn't mm-hmm. love, love them, mm-hmm. and so I, was, I, I spent a while trying to figure out which of those was going to make the top 10.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yep, same here. Uh, so anything else you want to do before we get into the lists? I mean, in spite of the fact that it was not as good a year, or maybe the highs weren't as high as the previous two years, there's still some good books. That I read, so I'm, I'm still ready to talk about them.
0: Yeah, same here. All right, so let's talk.
1: Let's do your number ten.
0: All right, my number ten would have been higher, but for my my issues with the book, and I'll get into those in a minute. Mm-hmm. But it is based on a real life occurrence, and it's called The Terror by Dan uh-huh. Simmons. Yeah, so this is a book about an Arctic expedition. And they're trying to find the—I uh, forget exactly what they call it—but it's like a pass through Northwest Passage. Yeah, Northwest Passage. Thank you. And uh, they inevitably get uh, spoilers here. They uh, wait.
1: I don't want to hear spoilers. I'm gonna—I'm gonna read this book.
0: But it's based on a true story. Yeah. Okay. Well, they encounter ice and snow, and they have problems. Anyway, it feels very real, um, and that's one of the things I liked about it. It was very, very nautical, and Ooh, I like um, nautical. oh yes, uh, it really makes you feel like you're living on this. I, I forget what century ship, um, mm-hmm. but uh, one of those old sailing ships, uh, trying to you know uh, avoid scurvy and and eating out of canned rations and and tying the knots and everything. So, it was a uh, it was really very realistic. You know, it's one of those enjoyable books where the author really knows what he's talking about. Okay. Now, the reason and it was a it was an excellent excellent plot with uh so so the the author takes a real event and uh kind of makes his own Fantastic tale surrounding it, mm-hmm. um, sort of filling a la in
1: Tim Powers.
0: Uh, well, he's from what I understand from you, he's more like, um, uh, you know, taking real people and events and then uh, making up a fantastic tale. And I I know that sounds exactly like what this mm-hmm. guy is doing here, yep. but yours is more like sort of alternate history, whereas this guy is almost like he's filling in the gaps. Yeah, in no, that's history. what Tim Powers does. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, his
1: he. All the events are real events, and then he adds like behind the scenes, okay, stuff and characters and supernatural things behind. Right. the scenes
0: Right. Well, there's things that can't be explained in the real story. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Okay. And yeah. so he's like trying yep. to. Okay. All right. I guess then yeah, he calls
1: them secret histories. Okay. So. Sounds uh, like a Tim Powers yeah. secret history. Well, to then me. this this cool. book's right up your alley. Ooh, I can't wait. Um,
0: Nautical Tim Powers. I know. There you go. All,
1: all the things I like. Uh,
0: I did have. Uh, some issues with it. Like, the only nod women get in this in this book is as sex items. And uh, that was just... That was <laughs> really disappointing. So, uh, that was kind of my star... My reason for knocking a star from this book. Uh, I mean, beyond that, it's a great book. But I just... Hmm. Uh, women only should... There's only, I think, two women... Mm-hmm. Uh, char- female characters in the book like main female characters and they're just sex items
1: so hmm. was that historical or i a, don't know is the author misogynist
0: probably both i don't know
1: it, maybe it not i like don't it know in his other I, uh, books that i read so. okay
0: i don't know i i haven't huh. read the actual i like i looked up some details about yeah. this because uh when i i found out it was a real story um it It looks like he kept pretty true to the main to the actual story, but I didn't find anything in there about uh women mm-hmm. relating to the story, so I don't know if that's anything that he made up or actually was part of the the original story but you know beyond that, it's a really interesting book hmm. okay um my favorite part, and this is this is probably the first book I've encountered of this my favorite part, part is actually. Somewhere right around the middle, that's where I felt that the book really
1: <laughs> reached
0: its zenith. Mm-hmm. and then um, after that it was it was all just not near as exciting and, and you just have to read it so that you can understand what I'm talking about. but it's a great moment in the middle of the book. I listened to this on audiobook, and that was wow, that was intense. So <laughs> that's my number 10, The Terror by Dan Simmons.
1: Cool. Yeah, I like Dan Simmons, so I'll I'll definitely be checking that one out, maybe this year. My number 10 is called Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty by Charles Learson. Uh, Melissa, have you heard of Ty Cobb?
0: I've heard the name.
1: Okay, do you know anything about Ty Cobb? Nope. Okay, so you don't know what context you've heard the name in? No, I don't remember. I'm actually surprised you've even heard of his name. Uh, I bet you've heard of names like Babe Ruth.
0: Oh, okay. Baseball then.
1: Yeah. I bet you've heard of Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Let's see. Uh am trying to think of other famous baseball players from the period that you would possibly have heard. Um, that might be about it From for, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of players from like the right. 20s and 30s that non-baseball fans nowadays are going to have heard of. But uh, Ty Cobb is uh, definitely one of the best players that ever played. Uh, he, his lifetime batting average is the highest of all time. Wow. So definitely one of the best hitters. Uh, he played 21 years, uh, uh, sorry, 23 years, which is a pretty crazy longevity. And, uh, he was an old fashioned kind of a baseball player. So he didn't hit a lot of home runs. He was more about, you know, stealing bases and, and being smart and, Cool. Playing hard. Uh he was uh like there's a a, fam- a famous quote, I guess, about him, Ty Cobb could cause more excitement with a base on balls than Babe Ruth could with a grand slam. Uh, <laughs> so he was a very popular player. And uh he was the first player elected into the baseball hall of fame. Wow. Uh, so he even I believe got more votes than Babe Ruth. Uh so That's a
0: shame, because Babe Ruth is the one that everybody <laughs> hears about, and yeah. Ty Cobb is much
1: less right. well known. Well, uh, one of the reasons, I mean, part of the reason is because Babe Ruth was a better baseball player. Um, he, he is, I, you know, probably the best of all time or the, the greatest of all time. Um, but, uh, Ty Cobb is right up there. Uh, the reason, uh, that, or part of the reason Ty Cobb's not as, as famous. And, uh, I guess the reason he's more infamous, if you have heard of him, if you're maybe a casual baseball fan is because uh, he's known as racist and uh, just a mean, mean guy who tried to hurt people as he was playing baseball and tried to hurt people off the baseball field. And so he's kind of like the baseball boogeyman. And uh, this book is sort of trying to undo some of that bad reputation and show that uh, he wasn't racist uh, and um you know, kind of surprisingly for um being a, a southerner at that time uh, that he was um not a monster that he uh definitely uh, you know had his dark side and uh, definitely uh was reckless playing baseball and uh would uh, you know he drank of course um and um wasn't a, um, a goody two-shoes i guess but um i mean the, i guess the truth is more complex he was uh just about as violent as uh, the average american man at the time where you know you go out and have a bare knuckle brawl in the street with, uh, <laughs> with a co-worker <laughs> i guess that was pretty common um for for some of these uh in some of these cities. And, um, uh, I guess a lot of the blame for, for his bad reputation is, um, from a guy named Al Stump who wrote uh, books about him that, uh, he just made up conversations, made up stories. Wow. Just had errors and exaggerations. Wow. And so, um, the book itself, I only gave three and a half stars, but, uh, just because of some things like uh it's kind of repetitive at some points he doesn't uh structure his data very well but um for a baseball fan or if you're you're interested in sort of an interesting character study of an interesting man um it's it's worth reading
0: or even just hearing the other side's argument mm-hmm. too right i always i I always like hearing stories about you know you you've always heard this about such and such a person and then uh, you read a book that's like no no that's all wrong and here's why here's (laughs) the proof and they've been maligned Mm -hmm. so i always enjoy this
1: yeah so that's my number 10 ty cobb a terrible beauty
0: okay well my number nine and uh let's see nine eight and seven are books that I think perhaps you read last year or in the hmm. previous year since we've started this podcast. So I finally got around to following in your footsteps. Okay. My number nine is Frankenstein by Yay. Mary Shelley. So four stars for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Star, because I'm a great literary critic, of course. And huh. she had re- redundant narration and uh, too much description. And I wish I could write like that at the <laughs> age of 19.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or even now.
0: I know. Yeah. I would take right, it. <laughs> right. Um, that's true. Yeah. I could never write like that ever.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but uh, it's just a fantastic look at how mankind would do. If we were God, if we could give life to something, Mm. you know, take stuff and create a spark of life within it. And, uh, it definitely has moments where the plot drags and, and stuff. Uh, the best moments are when Frankenstein and the monster are conversing. Those, oh my goodness, those are such good moments. (laughs) And, uh... Uh yeah, this is definitely a classic that everybody should check out. Uh good job Mary Shelley. My number 9, Frankenstein.
1: Cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. My, it might be a little bit low, but uh we'll see what other books you put ahead of it. My number 9. <laughs> well,
0: now okay, I didn't rate these on greatest books ever. I rated them yeah. mostly yeah, that's on how we always do it. on uh enjoyment. Our yeah.
1: Okay. Um
0: and then uh, there's one coming up that's like, uh, I think it's more important of a book, and so that's why it's higher, hmm. even though I didn't necessarily enjoy it like I did Frankenstein. All right. Oh, mm-hmm. real quick. Um, are we going to try and guess each other's favorite, I guess, at the end of the, or or not?
1: Uh, we can. I don't think. I guess I would have to go look at, okay. at nah. a list of your books.
0: Yeah, let's not work tonight. <laughs>
1: Uh, So maybe I'll maybe while you're talking about your next one, I'll I'll go pull it up and and come up with a guess. Uh, Let's see. So my number nine is My Man Jeeves by P.G. Wodehouse. It's a collection of the first Jeeves and Wooster short stories that Wodehouse wrote. I don't remember if we've talked about Wodehouse much on on the podcast, but he was a British humorist from the uh, turn of the 20th century. And. Um, or I think he was born around the turn of the, uh, I don't even know when he was born. He was born in 1881, but he lived till 1975. So, uh, so, uh, yes, uh, very absurd humor. Uh, characters all get into silly situations and it's a comedy of manners, usually type thing and all these ridiculous coincidences and uh, characters with really silly names and uh, they're great fun. Great fun. Uh, very breezy reads. And uh, we watched a bunch of uh, show uh, that they've done and uh, have read a bunch of his stories. And I think we'd heard most of these already or we're seeing them adapted on the TV show, but still really enjoyed uh, going through these and Gave the book four stars, so uh, looking forward to reading more Jeeves and Wooster and more Wodehouse.
0: Okay. So that's... yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, that was uh, an honorable mention for me.
1: Cool. That's my number nine, my man Jeeves by P. G. Wodehouse.
0: Yeah, it was a good book, and as all Wodehouse books are, uh, it just didn't have any stories that really stuck out to me. Sure. All right. My number eight was Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And this was a really good book. I started it, whew, this was a beast of a <laughs> book. I started it in like February and then finished it like six months later or something. <laughs> I had to, I, I, no, I finished it in uh, November, October or November. And it was one of those things where I was like, I am going to finish this book this year. And uh, you you have to determine to read it and definitely not as a winding down book. Like a lot of times Brian and I will, uh, you know, after we shower and brush our teeth and we'll sit in bed for maybe 15 minutes or so and read a book and that'll just help us wind down. And uh, this is not one of those books. Uh, You need to read this when you're wide awake, because otherwise you're going to be rereading the same paragraph Mm -hmm. uh, for the next several nights. But it's a really good book. Uh, He talks about how uh, most Christians, they just talk about, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, and um, moving on to heaven and that's my eternal resting place. And, uh, it's awful here, but it's going to be great there. And it kind of creates this expectation of all the focuses on our far, our home in heaven and escapism getting away from earth. Mm -hmm. And so no matter how bad it gets here, just focus on the future. It's all going to be great up in heaven. Um, and his argument is, uh, that in a nutshell, uh, Jesus intends to come back to earth and transform it into the place where we will all live, the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so right. we need new to... New heaven and new earth. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so we need to be doing what we can to help bring in the new kingdom and uh, doing what we can now uh, to... Change our society, our families, ourselves, so that uh, we can honestly pray, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done." Mm-hmm. And it's really good. At, um, it makes you evaluate, like, what are my what are my fundamental core beliefs, and how does that impact my actions and uh, my reason for living. And so it was really good. Uh, I think every Christian should read it. I didn't agree with everything. Right. Um, but you can tell that he's way smarter than most <laughs> of us and has uh, really meditated and digested the scriptures. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, y- you can tell that he's hes not just out there preaching his wh- own brand of theology or whatever. He's, he's really thought through the scriptures and it's 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 really interesting Mm -hmm. uh so i definitely recommend this for any christian to check out surprised by hope by nt wright cool my number eight
1: cool cool glad you liked it yeah i wasn't sure what you would think about it but uh i he is very he is very interesting where he sits with with his theology as an anglican and um that that middle point, I guess, between uh, Catholicism and, and Protestant theology, and um, I also think it's interesting that uh, I don't really know. I, I honestly don't really know too much about the Anglican Church, but I just um, uh, would have assumed that he would be um, more, I guess, uh, liberal theology, and I think uh, maybe his politics. Um, are, are a little bit more, uh, to the left, certainly of, of, uh, American, typical American, um, or average American politics, but, um, theologically he is pretty conservative actually, as far as Jesus bodily resurrected. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'd say you know, Jesus overall. Jesus was God and, you know, all of the orthodox yeah. beliefs of Christianity, not, uh, you know, explaining away miracles yeah. or, or, uh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, all things considered, Bible, I agreed with like him. That.
1: So, yeah, so he is he is very interesting. So, I talked about it a couple years ago, and still recommend that you check him out as well. All right, so moving on to my number eight, and it was my classic of the year. Part of the reason that I was a little bit disappointed with the year is somehow I only read one classic, and uh, it was it was a big one. Uh, it it's a history book. In fact, it's called The Histories by the father of history, wow. Herodotus.
0: You like that. This, this that much?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Um, I had to put it, obviously, I had to put it above you know, a book about Ty Cobb or uh, Jeeves and Wooster short stories or some of my other books. But uh, yeah, it's not a fun read, I would say. But uh, there's definitely a lot of interesting things. It's uh, Herodotus going through uh, the uh, Persian Wars, so Greece versus Persia. And you've got such famous moments as the Battle of Marathon. And uh, you've got the Battle of Salamis. And you've got uh, some people you might have heard of, like Leonidas leading the Spartan, the 300 Spartans uh, to their glorious deaths against... Uh, a large Persian army to try and slow them down and you've got uh, the Athenians and they're starting to um, get into democracy and uh, the Persian kings you've probably heard of from the Bible like uh, Xerxes and Darius and uh, Cyrus the Great and so uh, yeah it's pretty interesting to uh see some of those big things in history of course very important uh would have uh, completely changed how the world had turned out if if greece had not um, uh, won those wars against the persians would have uh, probably uh, well obviously uh, western civilization is uh, kind of built on on what greece did greece and rome so uh, that would have been completely different so that's interesting to see And then, um, you know, it's just some of the fun little stories that Herodotus puts in. He puts a lot of color in. Uh, He puts in, um, you know, really goofy things that probably he didn't believe even himself, like talking about giant ants in India that dig up gold (laughs) and (laughs) some things like that. Um, But um, also putting in some, some interesting and fun stories and some kind of uh horrific stories <laughs> um like for example well i won't tell you any horrific stories uh listeners you can you can email me if you want to hear a <laughs> horrific story but uh you know just some fun little vignettes and uh then uh just uh, observations that he made like uh, one that sticks out in my mind is he pointed out that the Egyptians had uh, specialty doctors. So they might have like a foot doctor and a, a head doctor, things like that. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was a more modern thing that, uh, you know, it was you know, in America a couple hundred years ago you had, or even a hundred years ago, right? Yeah. Like, family doctor, just kind of a general practitioner. And we only more recently had, uh, have people uh, specializing in different fields, And, uh, so that's something that's been around for a while. So nothing new under the sun. So, uh, yep, it was, uh, it's a long one. It was a 700 or about 800 pages plus another, I think 150 pages of footnotes that I did read. And, uh, yeah, it's one I'm glad I read. It's not one I would reread, but, uh, it's one step closer to be done, done with the, uh, classic Greek literature that I'm working through planning to finish it out this year. I guess okay. We can talk about that at the end. Some books we're planning to read in in 2019 or that we've already read in 2019. But uh yes, The Histories was was the big one that I had to get past to finish up the uh Greek literature that I'm going to read. Okay. So that's my number 8, well, The Histories you. by Herodotus.
0: Yeah. All right, my number 7 is another book that you had read before me and touted as being a good one okay and you read this to me on our road trip that we took uh Uh, in the middle of the summer yeah yeah so it's dimension of miracles by (laughs) robert sheckley and it was actually a fairly short book i was surprised Uh, it didn't take very long but Mm. uh this is uh, very comparable to the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. but I like it better. Hmm. I feel like Hitchhiker's Guide is just so random, whereas this <laughs> one has randomness, but it it's more acceptable to me <laughs> because he's, um, he's, it's this guy who accidentally gets t- displaced from Earth, from his planet, and so he's hopping around from planet to planet and time trying to get back to his Earth and his time. And so I think the plot serves the, the randomness and planet hopping a little better than in mm. Hitchhikers. But uh, it was really good. Uh, it definitely had some moments that were uh, just sort of dragged a little bit. You almost feel like uh, Robert Sheckley wanted to get on a soapbox about some things uh perhaps but uh <laughs> yeah, sure. had some really good concepts introduced that i hadn't seen before one of them was uh that of the predator right. that <laughs> every living creature has a predator and so uh if and if you don't the universe will create one <laughs> because that's the that's the cycle of things everything is eat or be eaten and, uh, so that was, that was really good. Uh, and definitely some, some truly chilling moments in mm. the book, uh, relating to that. And then also there's, uh, the live prize. So the guy yeah. gets displaced <laughs> from Earth because he, uh, he was told that he won this cosmic, uh, raffle or something like that. And, oh. uh, turns out it was, he, It was somebody else that had a very similar name or something, but he ended up getting the prize and it's a live prize It's and it can shape shift. And I don't know. I just just thought that was really (laughs) fun. So, uh, definitely had a surprising ending. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm still unsure what I think about that. Yeah. That ending. Uh, it's, well, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a good book. And, uh, Four stars for me. Dimension of Miracles. Yeah, it's uh, My number seven.
1: Yeah, it was a five-star book first time I read it, but on the reread, four stars as well for me. I still like it. Uh, there's definitely, I think, some problems as far as, like you mentioned, the prize, which is a great character, but just disappears from the book for long stretches. Yeah. And so things like that that he could have done better, but I did still like it.
0: My number seven, Dimension of Miracles.
1: All right, my number seven is a nonfiction book, and uh, not the last one they'll see on the list. So not not uh, always do I put uh, nonfiction high on my list. I usually pretty picky with nonfiction for some reason. I don't know. I like uh, to read uh, like. Articles, like I'll read articles uh, on the Atlantic or just whatever pops up. On uh, I, I have a uh, Pocket. Have you heard of Pocket? It's no, a, I haven't. It's a website where you can save articles uh, and go read them later. I don't use that, but there is a browser extension on Firefox that I use that uh, just pops up like three stories that are popular that day. And so, like for example, if I open it up right now, uh there's one about uh Tony Romo being a genius at football commentary. There's one about wedding rings, what you need to know. And there's one about empty space. And empty space inside houses, it looks like. Those are from uh The New Yorker and Brilliantearth.com and Slate. So I do like reading nonfiction, but usually shorter stuff. If I'm gonna read something longer, that's nonfiction, usually has to have some, some interesting slant, or something quirky with it, or be something that I'm really interested in, or come highly recommended, something like that. Uh, so uh, this one, uh, I don't remember who recommended this or why I picked this one up. But it's called The Retreat of Western Liberalism by Edward Luce. And uh it's by uh this guy he was he's a columnist and uh he kind of just talks about how democracy uh he uses uh western liberalism um not in the sense you might think of in american politics but more in the sense of uh democracy um and how it's Uh, How the West in general, uh, the Western um, hegemony, he says, and its democracy is weakening. And so you have, uh, for example, China, which is um, growing and uh, their economy is growing. And uh, you have uh, Russia seems to be uh, taking its place on the world stage again and uh, America, where uh, the whole. 20th century was all about America. It seems like the, in the 21st century, um, we're maybe not going to be the only superpower and maybe we'll be just another country as far as, um, you know, the countries that influence what's happening in the world. And so he talks about that. He talks about uh, other countries. He talks about um, economics and um, just different things. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I don't. Uh, have um, uh, I, I guess i i can't tell you uh if you would like or not based on uh politics like i thought he was pretty straightforward pretty uh um, Unbiased, observational maybe? yeah i mean he has he definitely has his bias but um, it's a lot observational and uh, i think it's worth reading um it i thought it was very readable he has a lot of personal stories that he mixes in. It's not just a dry, slow book like you kind of expect from this kind of material. And uh, just some of the things that I thought were interesting that he pointed out. Uh, I'll just mention two other things. Um, so uh, he says, oh, you know, we've traditionally measured uh, our economy's health with GDP, which is how much uh, money mm-hmm. we produce every year. He thinks that a better measure of our economy would be median income. So what's the average amount of income that somebody makes?
0: Yeah, that makes sense, actually. And so Ken kind
1: of talks about that. Yeah, so that's pretty interesting. And then uh, he points out that uh, we've uh, America has generally had the highest class mobility. So if you're uh, born in a poor family, um, but maybe you um, are a hard worker and you, you know, still get education... Maybe get a
0: few lucky breaks.
1: Um, right. You can still make it. And so you have a lot of people moving, uh, or maybe you're poor and you move into middle class, or you're middle class and you move into upper class. Mm-hmm. And um, traditionally, America has had the highest class mobility, um, and now it has the lowest. And so he talks about that a little bit and how it's uh, more difficult now to move between those different strata. So it's very interesting. It's thought-provoking. Um, I I definitely would recommend it. Uh, go... Give it a read and uh, let me know what you think. uh, You can go read uh, more reviews from people that are a lot more, uh, I guess, politically charged, maybe I would put it, than I am. Um, So uh, you can go see what they think if you prefer. But I liked it. That's my number seven The Retreat of Western Liberalism.
0: Okay. I'm probably not going to read it.
1: Yeah, no, that's fine.
0: Alright, my number six is a book that I just read.
1: Oh, and before you go farther, I did look at the books that you read, and I do have a guess for your favorite, and maybe for your top three. I have a I have a guess for. Yeah. It. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, you're probably probably gonna nail those top three. Like I said, there were there were three that were clear and above better than yeah. the rest.
1: Yeah, I think I know what they are.
0: Uh, yeah, and I was looking at your books, and I c- didn't see any that were clear and above better, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll make a guess if it hasn't shown up yet, but okay. I have no idea. All right, so my number six, uh, I squeezed this one in right at hmm. uh, the tail end of December. It was finished up December 30th, Whoa. and it's The Red Knight It's the first book in the Traitor Sun cycle, and it's by Miles Cameron. And this is a really good book. I gave it four stars. Um, It might have been a little higher, maybe a 4.5, if I had had a physical copy. Uh, I listened to the audiobook and it was fine, but there are a ton of characters mm. in this book. Mm-hmm. And you really want to be able to go back and reference, okay, yeah. who was this guy again? And like, there were several characters that I kept on uh, confusing and not being sure exactly. Like, s- some of them even have fairly similar names, Random and Ranald. And, uh. and yeah, <laughs> it all kind of mixes together after a little while. And it's a very, it's a very long book too. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: was this was like thirty hours, uh, so especially uh, on an audiobook where you're not necessarily going to just be able to sit down and listen to it for uh, a crazy amount of time, uh, I would definitely recommend getting the physical version of this book.
1: Hmm. Okay, you know what I'd be interested in would be the Trader Son cycle, where he's a a merchant.
0: Oh, boo! The son of a merchant. All right, time to time to be quiet. Hush. So anyway, uh, if you like fantasy, this is a book for you. Uh, this is, it's got fantastical creatures, wyverns and dragons and and demons and angels and stuff. It's got magical powers. It's got epic battles and hmm. uh, it's just as with the terror you you know that dan simmons knows all about the world of of sailing ships mm-hmm. well with this guy, with this book you know that miles cameron knows all about the world of of knights huh. and what it was like to wear all that armor and mm-hmm. how it all worked together or huh. sometimes didn't work and what you know what they would do to make it work and uh uh the training that uh they would have to undergo and and uh what it's like you know actually being in a physical battle so uh it's very interesting just for that and then you got the the fantastical elements too that really helped to keep me reeled in uh and it's just it's a really good plot that just thickened at the end actually cuz we got to what i would have considered the end and then mm. i saw that there were still like two or three hours left in the audiobook, I was like, what? And mm-hmm. so the rest is wrap up and wind down, but it's still really interesting, and it really sets the stage for the next book, and I'm really excited to keep reading it in this series.
1: Cool. Um, I'm glad you liked it. It's one I'd heard good things about, picked up on audiobook, and haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, so one of these days I'll get around to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for once I like read a book quite a bit. that you hadn't read. <laughs> So that is my number six, The Red Knight. All right. K-N-I-G-H-T.
1: Right. Okay. My number... What are we on? Six? My number six is a book that's very odd. <laughs> and it's definitely one of the oddest books I've ever read. And... um I'm not sure what I'm going to say about it. It's The Islanders by Christopher Priest. Um the book is about a bunch of islands <laughs> in a place called the Dream Archipelago and um
0: you can't say more cuz of spoilers.
1: I mean, it's hard to it's just a very odd book. So each uh let's see. Did you Read Invisible Cities? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, so it made me think of an Invisible Cities by Italo Cal- At- Calvino, which, if you remember me talking about that one a couple years ago, that one was a sort of a travelogue, and each chapter is just a few pages long and it's about a different city. And it's just some completely fantastical city like maybe a city made out of spider webs or or something like that. And so this one felt a little bit like that where you have all these different islands and each island has a story with it. And so you start reading about these different really weird islands. And as you're reading it, different characters show up on these different islands. And they start to pop up in multiple so you're reading through maybe character A shows up in this island and then you read the next island and they're there as well there might be contradictory details about that character you might think someone is alive and actually they're dead or you might think someone's dead and it seems mm. like they're actually alive maybe they were faking their death maybe it's an imposter and uh
0: sounds very confusing
1: yeah I mean there's uh, there's characters that may not exist uh, um, that may be invented the hairs um, yeah uh, I don't even I don't know really what else to say other than I don't know that I would recommend this as your first Christopher priest uh, this is the guy that did uh, the uh, book the Prestige, mm-hmm. that the Christopher Nolan right. movie is based on. Uh, those are the only two I've read of his so far. I would guess I would probably recommend The Prestige because even though that one's a twisty plot, it's a little bit more straightforward than this. And I got to the end of this and I wasn't sure what I thought about it. I wasn't sure how much I liked it or or what I thought of it.
0: But you liked it I, well enough. I mean, I
1: did give it five stars. Um, it is a good book. And it made me really think about it. It made me go and read a bunch of theories that people had read on written online. And um, I have, uh, you can go look at my Goodreads review and uh, if you're, I mean, if you're not interested in reading it at all, you might as well read through the spoilers on there, uh, which you probably won't really care about, but I don't know. There's different interesting things. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll say one more, I guess I don't think it's a spoiler um, that there. Is a fictional dedication at the beginning of the book. So, uh, you know, you normally read a book and there's a dedication right. like, to my right. mother, yeah. to my wife. Uh, this one has a dedication written by a, a character inside the book.
0: That's kind of creepy.
1: Yeah. So just different stuff like that. That's just really odd. So, I mean, I gave it five stars. I like it. Uh, I, I don't know how, I, if I could recommend it to someone. So it's kind of a weird place to be in, but that's where I am. Okay. That's my number six. Hooray for 2018 in <laughs> books. That's The Islanders by Christopher Priest. Okay. This is a symbol of the year. It's a weird year for books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so all the previous books before this one have been four stars, uh, but now my number five, we're getting into a four and a half star. Moving up. And after that, it's five stars. So my number five is a Discworld book by Terry Pratchett. Do you want to guess which one?
1: Uh, I'm we, we read a two, bunch. We yeah, read I'm like, assuming two of them are on here. I'm guessing that this is The Fifth Elephant.
0: Nope, it's not. Although that is an honorable mention. Um, That was a really good one. But since we read so many uh, Discworld books, yeah. And I love Discworld and I could easily make my whole <laughs> list be Discworld. I was like, okay, let's let's try and get some variety here on the list. So, I culled that one. Spoilers, but I'm pretty sure you already knew that. Okay. The other one was making it. But this one is uh making money.
1: I actually forgot we read this one oh, in 2018. Yeah. I, I skimmed past it on your list. So. Yeah.
0: So you had read this one uh, before I did, and then you read it aloud to me, and it's not quite as perfect as Going Postal. Right. Uh, That one, you just can't improve upon it. You can't outshine it. (laughs) Uh, But it's still Moist von Lipvig, and any time that he's flying, he doesn't know... (laughs) how he's going to get out of a fix, but he's just going to he's gonna smile his best con man smile and give you a firm handshake and look you in the eye, and he's going to talk his way out of it somehow. Those are the moments that just sing, and they definitely yep. are in this book, and so had to put it on the list. My number five.
1: Yeah, since I had forgotten about, I, I had forgotten about this one, but I would also rank them in the same order that you're going to be ranking them. Fifth Elephant would be third, second would be Making Money, and first would be uh, maybe one we'll talk about in a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. So but that was- all were
1: rereads for me, so none will be on my list.
0: Aw, that's so sad. Oh, well. <laughs> at least at least I can honor them Yeah. on my list.
1: Yeah, but no, I, uh, I like this one better. So I, I had initially read them, I think, back to back, and so I- Was disappointed by making money because it wasn't as good as going postal. But then knowing that going in this time, I was free to just enjoy it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a five star for me. Yeah, it's one of it's still one of the best. Terry Pratchett, still a top ten. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, it's only it's only down half a star because Mm -hmm. I was comparing it to going postal. This is is it's a five star book, and I probably should upgrade it to that. All right, my number five, making money.
1: Right. Well done. All right. My number five is another nonfiction book and one that you're not going to be interested in. Probably most of our listeners will not either. It's called Web Typography, a handbook for designing beautiful and effective responsive typography by oh Richard my goodness. Rutter.
0: <laughs> I'm falling asleep through that title.
1: <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. T- so typography. So it's about typefaces it's about fonts it's about how to use them you know when to use uh, certain different types of fonts when to um you know use bold and italics as a, a very simple example of of the kind of thing that would be in this book
0: so you're saying that people should read this then because most people don't know yeah. when they uh, should use bold and italics
1: right um most people don't need to read a 300 page book about it i know it. you can go uh google if you don't if you want some basic uh Typography. I'm or, saying
0: something about it should be required <laughs> reading
1: for people. Sure. Uh, and in fact, I would say uh, for someone that's even mildly interested, um, practical com is a really good resource and a uh, quick read as well. Uh, if you want to just make your word documents look nice for, Oh, uh, for your church or for your, uh, homeschool or for, uh, whatever you're, you're printing out, um, uh, I'll go check that out in in a 15 15 minute read on that site and uh, your your documents will look much nicer. So there's my plug for that. But if you're really serious uh, about doing web typography, if you're making websites, uh, this is the... And I've read a few books uh, in this uh, genre and I've read a lot online. This one is the, oh, um, I guess the Bible of of web typography or the I don't know the Don Quixote of no, oh, that's probably a bad analogy we'll start with the bible <laughs> I guess it's kind of the the authority in my mind uh this one is really well done Richard Rudder is uh definitely an expert and also a good writer and uh he's just really good at mixing these timeless principles so principles that go all the way back to Gutenberg and predate Gutenberg even and mixing those with uh, just some really good practical advice for uh, for websites, and so one thing that I did was go through the book and keep track of all of the code that he suggested, and uh, compile it all into one place. And so I've been using that for a couple different website projects that I've been working on, and it's just uh, very very well put together. Uh Definitely, highly recommend. If you're in web development, otherwise, um, not many of you will be interested in this one. But uh, five stars, really enjoyed reading it, and uh, got a lot of good information that I did not already know. So I look forward to uh, referencing this one in the future, in future projects. Anything to add? Nope. (laughs) That is Web Typography, a Handbook for Designing Beautiful and Effective Responsive Typography.
0: Yeah, in general, I've had very little to say about any of the (laughs) books that you've had on your lists in most
1: years,
0: (laughs) Uh, which is why I'm trying to read more books that are on your Uh to-read list and get to them first, and that way, whether I like them or I hate them, I can have an opinion on them.
1: You can definitely do that with uh, audiobooks. Got a pile of audiobooks that I've put on hold while I'm listening to all those podcasts.
0: Yeah. Alright, so my number four is uh, a five-star book, and I actually didn't, I mean, I rated it on Goodreads, but I didn't write uh, how I felt about it, a little blurb, and I'm kind of thinking maybe I should go back and do that. Uh, It is Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Okay. So, Neil Gaiman's kind of a hit-and-miss author for me, Hmm. but this is a slam-dunk, home-run, out of the ballpark kind of book. <laughs> this is th- this is fantasy fiction at its purest form of entertainment. <laughs> so good. So you have this ordinary, uh, very ordinary character, Richard Mayhew, and he's going about his boring life, and he likes it. He likes his boring life. He likes to have everything on time and and. Everything in its place. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite a monk-type character, but uh, sort of along those lines. And so, um, anyway, an occurrence happens, uh, and it, it, it just, by nature of him being in the vicinity and his, his kindness in, off- in offering assistance, Uh, that transforms his whole world. Suddenly, he is in this whole uh, underworld uh, where all the people who have fallen through the cracks, who have been forgotten, left uh, unnoticed, is kind of how Neil Gaiman puts it. Uh, That's where uh, they go. And so now real people don't notice Richard anymore. And he can't live in the real world anymore. He has to go... Be in this fantasy world where things are strange and dangerous and you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you've really got to stay on your toes. And so many times you're like, this guy is one dead duck and then something nips in to save him, uh, mm-hmm. by sheer dumb luck. And, uh, it's so much fun. There are so many great characters. Uh, it's, it's not a deep, deep thinking book. It's, it's candy. But it's it's really good candy. Uh, it's not fluff. It's it's really great. A really great plot and a, a good twist too. I thought. So yes, I I can't say enough good things about this.
1: Cool. Yeah, this is on my list to read this year. So we'll yeah
0: compare yeah. notes.
1: Yeah, exactly. I hope you
0: enjoy it as much as I did. I hope I haven't overhyped it for you.
1: We'll see. I expected this one. Was going to be in your top three. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see what what else made instead. Uh, I saw that there that, uh, Neil Gaiman's coming out with a sequel this year.
0: Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed uh, to that. Yeah. Although, now at the, I listened to this on audiobook and it had kind of a chapter afterwards, sort of a a short story afterwards that, uh, sort of does a little side note about, this one character who's really great in the book, okay. and uh, I felt that I almost feel like this is one of those books that you just want the glimpses. You don't want it fully fleshed out because then it becomes a little more ordinary and less exciting. Mm-hmm. So I'm I want to read the new the second book, the sequel, but on the other hand, I don't because I'm afraid that it'll it'll cheapen the experience mm-hmm. a little bit. But I know I to read it be. anyway. So <laughs> we'll see. Give my opinion on it in a year or two whenever it comes out.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to come out this year. So
0: Alright. Birthday gift for me. <laughs> Alright, so that's my number four, never wear.
1: Okay. My number four is a follow up to a book. I think it was, it was either my favorite or second favorite book that came out or that I read uh, a couple years ago, talk about it on the podcast. That book was Hyperion by Dan Simmons.
0: Okay. See, I picked this one as your number one.
1: Oh, wow. This book is The Fall of Hyperion by Dan Simmons. And I I don't know if you remember, but um, I loved Hyperion. My only complaint was I got to the end and it didn't end. (laughs) It was very obviously a book cut or one story cut into two books. And that was... A little disappointing. I thought there was going to be an ending to the story. And uh, nope. It continues right into this book. And uh, you pick up right off. You're off to the races. There's uh, so many uh, great stories that he sets up in Hyperion. And then uh, he wraps them up in Fall of Hyperion. Um, There's, I mean... I don't remember what I talked about in, in the first one, but, uh, so many great ideas. Like I'll just mention a couple, like, uh, there's the tree ships. So it's these giant trees that they grow. And there's, uh, I think like six of them that this one group that are some sort of mysterious monk kind of characters, and they grow these world trees or these tree ships and they, uh, launch them out into outer space and they're spaceships. That's yeah, pretty cool. They're yeah, they're like some of the best uh spaceships in the galaxy. And uh something like that is really cool, but it's just like a tiny bit of the story and you're you're always kind of like where you were just referring to with with Neil Gaiman you're like, "Oh man, I want to know more about these tree ships." And you never really learn much about them or or about the uh or too much about the the monk type characters that that have them. And so um there's things like that. There's, uh, FARCASTERS are another technology where, um, basically it's like a, uh, I don't know what the science would be, but some sort of portal that you step through and it takes you to somewhere else. So, you know, you've seen that in, in different stories. Um, but these are things you can just, it's a device and you can install it. And so, for example, uh, there's a guy that has a house with FARCASTERS. Um, that lead into other houses. So, for example, Perfect for
0: burglaries.
1: No, so like you step into, uh, so like you come in the front door, you go in your living room, and then, oh, you want to step into the porch while you go through, it looks like a doorway, but it's actually a farcaster, and you step into the porch on this, uh, this island on a, uh, far off planet that nobody's been to
0: nice and so
1: you know, like hawaii the planet
0: nice and
1: then you step back in you're in your your normal room and you step into another uh seems like you're just stepping through a door into another room but it's actually another farcaster and you're now in some big uh i don't know some big city in, on, the, on a far distant planet and so this is something that the very rich can have cool and so stuff like that that you could have an entire novel just built on that one idea right, yeah. but he pumps in I, all of these boom 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 one after another and makes this really really neat story this really neat world and uh yeah he wraps up uh the storylines with all of the different characters and uh great characters still and uh i mean all the things that i've said apply to the first book um this one is not as good as the first book, but it's still an excellent five-star book. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend people go check out Hyperion. You can go listen to me talk about it from, I think, a couple years ago. And uh, if you like it, you've definitely got to read the second book. So, this one, I don't remember, are you interested in ever checking out the series? I think series? so. It's Dan Simmons. Yeah. So, you you know what you're getting a little bit with it. Right. With, uh... Now that you've read The Terror, but this is um, his science fiction grab bag everything instead of a <laughs> historical uh, kind of a okay. fantastic story. So a little bit different. So yeah, uh, I did really like it. It's not uh, not my top three. So
0: Yeah, we'll just see what, what yeah, makes we'll it into those three.
1: So that's my number four, The Fall of Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Possibly my favorite living author right now. He oh. is really good.
0: Okay, my number three has quite possibly the best ending in a book that I've ever encountered.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. And I didn't know this would make you it top was, three. It wow.
0: was, oh yeah, and it was. It was hard to decide if this should be number two. Wow. Um, yeah. And and number two made it there, sh- sheerly for. And for pure enjoyment level, yeah. it just was a little bit higher. But <laughs> this one is five stars. It's I Am Legend mm-hmm. by Richard Matheson.
1: Yeah. He's
0: done several Twilight Zone episodes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you listen to our Twilight Zone uh, podcast, yep. Yep. Uh, his name lot came of up. of favorites. For uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, so he is very good at constructing a story uh especially mm-hmm. with with twists and stuff and yep. um this is a story about a man who uh becomes the lone survivor to his knowledge of the vampire apocalypse or whatever as far as he know everybody else has been turned into vampires and it's a really fascinating story about you know how does he survive what's it like you know being all alone and uh it's not really a scary story it's not a horror novel i don't Mm. like there were a few thrilling moments but Mm. nothing where i was like okay i'm gonna have to uh spend some time reading the bible to help me not feel afraid (laughs) anymore or whatever Mm -hmm. so um so nothing like that yeah. uh so don't let this don't let the fact that it's about vampires put you off this is a a great book uh it's got parts where he's um he decides just out of curiosity well let's let's examine what's what's causing it, the vampire phenomenon and uh he goes into trying to figure out why does uh why does a crucifix work and uh uh you know garlic and Mm -hmm. And all these things that are, you know, traditionally have been used to repel vampires. Mm -hmm. And so that was really interesting, the author's take on possible scientific explanations. Uh, And then the ending is just beautiful. And you have to read the entire book in order for it to uh, come into its own. But, uh, wow, that's just... I, I'm gonna say that's the best ending I've ever read in a book
1: whoa yeah that's
0: I've never had anything else where praise. where I got to the end and like my my mind was blown wow yeah not not like that so <laughs> that's my number three yeah, I am I, one, yeah. yeah sorry <laughs> say what you want about it
1: yeah this is one I think I, think I might have even only given it four stars when I first reviewed it. For shame. But it definitely has stuck in my mind and it's definitely one that I want to revisit. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you're not overselling the ending. It is a good ending. Um, it is one of my favorite endings as well, <laughs> which isn't going to help uh, you overselling it. But try not to go into it if you're going to go read it Uh, expecting I I don't know try and lower your expectations I guess okay Uh, yeah I'm sorry no no it's fine I mean like I said it's one of my favorite endings too I think it is um,
0: it's brilliant very very well
1: done and maybe we can have a spoiler section after the uh, after the stinger or as part of the stinger uh, to talk about it a little bit but uh, yeah don't expect uh, a rip roaring.
0: Yeah, no, it's not that kind uh, z- of an zombie ending.
1: apocalypse. Yeah, um, vampire book. It's mostly about a man and
0: trying to cope with it.
1: Uh, his loneliness. Yeah. yeah, it's about about that. So
0: yeah, no, it's not not the kind of ending where you know he's going out with guns blazing or something like that. Um, so just don't uh, don't. I I don't want to say anymore. My number three I am legend.
1: Alright, my number three is the longest book that I read this year. Uh eleven 1, hundred fifty three pages. And I I know I've talked about my sci-fi Christian ReListen project, where I'm listening to all the episodes, all the old episodes and coming up with uh notes each one well when they I've looked ahead and for books or movies that they review uh, that I'm interested in reading at some point I'm going ahead and reading those or watching those so that when I get to the podcast I can listen to that and and not be spoiled so this book is one of those uh, that that's why I chose to read it this year it's by Stephen King and it's one of the uh, so I talked about the gunslinger Last year, I think it was, and um, I haven't read any more in that series, but I'm planning to read that series. This is the only book outside that series uh, by Stephen King uh, that I'm planning to read. It is The Stand, and the setup is great. It's uh, the, you were just talking about uh, Vampire Apocalypse, which th- that predates the the zombie apocalypse kind of stories, but it's basically a zombie apocalypse, but with vampires, This is the pandemic that ends the world, and it uh, you know kills off ninety nine percent of the population, and so uh, it is pretty epic. It focuses on characters all across the United States, and so um, you know the United States is a. uh, I mean, it, it goes through the the start of the the virus. And, you know, you're hundreds of pages in by the time you get to this point. But eventually it's, uh, you know, there's just cars abandoned on the road, empty houses everywhere, empty cities. And uh, you're following all these different characters as they try and pick up the pieces. And um, there's, uh, let's see, I guess I'll say that there are good characters that you'll like and they... Uh, eventually gather together and there's also uh, pretty, some pretty evil characters that you follow and they also are gathered together um, and then uh, the stand of the title is uh, the uh, good has to take a stand against evil and so uh, it's it's epic it's sprawling I mean it's a, uh, almost 1200 pages Uh, following these characters and uh, it really gets your imagination churning of oh man what would that situation be like of um just you know what if mobile was completely abandoned and there's you know two people in the city or something like that you know what what would that be like and you know what how would we you know what what would still work you know this was before uh internet so um that was a little bit different um but you know obviously things like that are going to stop working pretty quickly. And so what can be preserved and what can be, what's going to have to be rebuilt and uh, really interesting from that perspective. And then um, a uh, pretty, I don't want to say traditional, but uh, it's, you know, it's good versus evil. Uh, I think Stephen King said he wanted to write like an American Lord of the Rings. And you can definitely see that in some p- points where, um, you know, it's, a uh, book where the characters are traveling a lot and there's uh fellowships you might say of different characters and uh good versus evil as i've been saying and so uh yeah i um i really liked it i did not care for the horror uh stuff i mean he is a horror writer there's definitely some some horrific elements that I definitely could have done without. Um, this is a book I would reread, but um, yeah, the setting is really captivating uh, with this dark, mysterious America. And um, yeah, I still not planning to read anything else other than finishing the Dark Tower series, but I am really glad that I, I read this one.
0: Yeah, uh, this is probably the first book on your list this year <laughs> that I've been like, oh yeah, I think I want to check that out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've really been getting into post post apocalyptic fiction mm-hmm. lately.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, this is maybe the post apocalyptic novel. So uh, definitely, if you read it, let me know, and I'll let you know certain parts that you should. At least one part sticks out in my head that you should skip. Oh, so. okay.
0: Is it? <laughs> did you listen to this on audiobook?
1: No, I read oh, okay. this one. Okay. Yep. Oh, man. Audiobook, that would take forever. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. He, I don't know that he's a great writer, but I'd say this is a great book. So, well done, Stephen. Okay. Mr. King. So that's. My number three, The Stand. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think you know my top two and do. their order. I think I do. Yeah. So my number two is the other Discworld yeah. book that you knew was going to make this oh, yeah. list. And so I didn't put Fifth Elephant on the list because it's another, it's a um, City Watch and Sam Vimes book. Yeah. And it was really good. I thought it was, let's see, I think I gave it five stars. Really enjoyed it. But the sequel to that one, Night Watch, was amazing. And so I was like, okay, I don't want to flood my list with Terry Pratchett. So I chose. Uh, to just have Nightwatch on here. And this is, you were talking about a top 10 Discworld. This is definitely in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, And in in fact, we'll have to do a list of that at some point. Yeah. Once we've read them all. This is just, it's amazing. You've seen the journey that Sam Vimes has Mm -hmm. taken from the very beginning, back when he was just this drunk cop (laughs) and like your first introduction to him is he's laying in the gutter on a rainy night drunk and uh then you see him slowly start to turn into a uh, standing moral code (laughs) hard-bitten guy uh but who like who knows when to bend the rules a little bit who knows Uh when it's okay to Kind of looked the other way, and he's <laughs> uh, he knows when to grant mercy and stuff. So, I mean, he's he's perfect, he's so good, such a great character. And in this, he comes across his great nemesis, the Joker to his Batman. Yep, and there's time travel in the book, and there's all this, you know, if you know what am i am i causing the events that i remember mm-hmm. uh and actually i don't remember this and what do i do now and so forth so uh ah it's such a good good book it made yep. me want to reread the whole watch city watch books yeah. all over again so i could just start again what uh watching sam vimes progress now that i know where he's going to arrive at mm-hmm. uh i want to start at the beginning again so this was amazing, and I see why it's your favorite.
1: (laughs) It is my favorite. Yeah, this is why I've been wanting to read the uh, City Watch books and why I keep picking those so we could get to this book and we could read this one because this one is so good. Like you're saying, so many good just plot elements. It's such a good plot. The uh, characters in it are really great, and it's fun to see characters that you're familiar with and some of their... Uh, kind of origin stories for right, some of them right? and seeing them as their younger versions and it's i think the most emotional uh-huh. uh and touching of the of the books some of the uh, most bittersweet moments some really thrilling moments too yeah um, when uh,
0: when carcer like discovers uh, some things about the past and he's like mm-hmm. well 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 haha
1: right yep and uh I mean, some of his, uh, so he always has his uh, his parody uh, that he does. This one is kind of a parody of uh, Le Miserable. Mm-hmm. It has some similarities to that, which I haven't read or or seen the movie, so I did not catch those. But uh, those are there, and then uh, just the I guess pol- kind of political commentary that he puts in is also uh, fitting, I think, in this mm-hmm. book. So uh, just, yeah, this is, I think this is the best thing Pratchett ever did. And I don't even think it's necessarily close. (laughs) I know.
0: Oh, and and there were some good veterinary moments too.
1: Yep. Especially
0: at the end. Got
1: vimes in veterinary. Yep. And man, yeah, such a great book.
0: Yeah, my number two, Nightwatch.
1: Nice. All right, my number two is by ray bradbury one of my favorite authors (laughs) and it's called the martian chronicles and if you have not read ray bradbury i think this is what i would hand to you and say uh read this first it is a book which feels like a collection of short stories um it's um the story of the colonization of Mars, but it's, and so there is a progression, um, as you know, the first stories are about people going to Mars. Then the next stories are about people on Mars and there is that progression, but most of the stories are pretty self-contained. So it reads more like a collection of short stories and each one can be wildly different in, in feel. So, uh, you'll have some that are humorous. you will have some that are very sad, um, very, uh, melancholic. You have some that are, uh, they feel like Twilight Zone episodes. And some that are very tragic. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a story about the future, but, um, as, as i've seen with um with his other books he he was a very it seems like he was very nostalgic um he looked back on the past uh wistfully and um that really comes out even in these stories about the future that he wrote so i'm not going to tell you about any of the specific stories um i think uh you should definitely definitely go pick this up and uh if you have not had the pleasure of reading ray bradbury this would be a great introduction. It's not my favorite of his books. Um but I mean it's uh absolutely one that I loved five stars and uh high 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 recommendations. So uh if you are interested at all in uh Ray Bradbury, if you're interested in science fiction at all or if you just like stories about people then uh go check this one out.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to have to check that out this year. Yep. That sounds amazing.
1: It's really good, and i I have this one on ebook. I think so. You can you should be able to should be able to share it with you for you to read it on your okay on your phone or your iPad. So that's the Martian Chronicles, my number two.
0: Yes, I will definitely have to check it out uh-huh. because Ray Bradbury is possibly my favorite living author. He's uh, oh <laughs> no i didn't know
1: that No, oh, i'm yeah. so sorry he died um uh, pretty recently i think Aww. like in the last five years oh boo yeah sorry
0: well that that brought this to a screeching halt
1: oh yeah huh. he would uh i'm pretty sure he would be my favorite living author if he were yeah. still living okay okay he died in 2012 so Aww. seven years ago now well,
0: okay well, you already know my number one. It's something wicked, this way comes by Ray Bradbury. Oh and,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, wait, did you read that that last year?
1: Is either last year or the year before? Uh, okay, yeah, I, I thought it was it, my number one the year I read yeah, it. Okay, my okay. number one of the year. Yeah.
0: Yes. So. Uh, now, oh, there man. is not much going on in this story as far as plot goes. Like, yeah. uh, I think it okay. all takes place within maybe two days. Okay. Um, so there's there's not a lot as far as story. But if I had a magic lamp and the genie came out and I could have just one wish, okay. uh, probably my first thought would be, I'd like to write a book as beautiful as this one.
1: Wow. Yeah. This
0: <laughs> this is just it's poetry
1: mm-hmm.
0: without actually the rhyming scheme or whatever. Um <laughs> it's the most beautiful language. Yeah. Uh it's got uh I mean, I, I said there wasn't much of a plot, but it's a really good plot. Like there's there's Right.
1: You meant it's not yeah, a long there's,
0: Yeah, it's not a long narrative. Plot. Right. But but it's a really good plot, and uh, I think the characters are very relatable uh, as far as the main ones, and then uh, mm-hmm. the other ones are very interesting, intriguing. Uh, there's some really thought-provoking statements that he makes, I think, mm-hmm. about the soul of man, mm-hmm. and... Um, and some really suspenseful suspenseful moments where I was like, oh man, what is gonna happen next? <laughs> and if you're gonna read this book, do yourself a favor, do not get the physical book, get the audiobook. Yeah. Narrated by Christian Rummel, R-U-M-M-E-L. Yeah. He is amazing. He's a master really storyteller. His <laughs> voice is, just for the narration mm-hmm. is perfect it's so sonorous and and deep and rolling mm-hmm. and then uh, he does the voices perfectly like you can't imagine I'm, any other voice yeah. for that character yeah, yeah. and uh it just it will this book will transport you to <laughs> a whole nother world that and that's what a book a really good book should do and uh this book introduced the second creepiest fictional character that i've ever come come across i think dracula is <laughs> well, still the creepiest figure,
1: yeah.
0: but second place goes to the illustrated man <laughs> and there's i i think always back to uh the moment where he's in the library yeah and he's just calling out boys <laughs> boys Oh man, I got chills down my <laughs> spine every time I heard him speak. Oh, you got to listen to the audiobook on this one.
1: Yeah. It's
0: so it's so wonderful.
1: Yep. I mean, it's one of my favorite books. And uh yeah, Christian Rommel is my favorite uh
0: audiobook yeah, favorite narrator. narrator.
1: So, yeah, I I mean, if you haven't read Ray Bradbury, I I would give you I would recommend the Martian Chronicles first, but I definitely like something wicked This Way Comes, uh best of, of his that I've read.
0: I mean in a title like that, it's so amazing.
1: Yep. yep, yep. Yeah, everything is is perfect about this book. So I definitely want to read this one again. I know. I Same wish here. I had more time to read books. <laughs> 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 and reread books.
0: Well maybe for next year. We'll yeah. both
1: Yeah, at some point, for sure.
0: All right, so that's my number one. Something Wicked, This Way Comes.
1: Yeah, I wish I'd read a book as good as that this year. Uh, I did not. However, I did really like my number one. It's nonfiction. It's called From the Garden to the City.
0: Wow, I knew you liked that a lot, but number one.
1: Yep, The Redeeming and Corrupting Power of Technology by John Dyer. And... Uh, yeah i mean it's it's one of those books where you read it and it feels like a puzzle piece is clicking into a spot for you and uh so dyer's main point in the book his uh thesis is that uh, technology is not morally neutral um so a lot of people will say uh you know technology is Neutral. It's good if it's used for good by good people, and bad if it's used by bad people. So, for example, um, uh, guns is is a popular one in politics, um, where people say it's it's morally neutral. It's it's not uh, good or evil, uh, and people make that about other things. Um, you know, uh, if you're uh, in your 90s, you have uh, there, there's a good chance that you might think some of these newfangled contraptions that uh, the younger folk are using is you know, rotting their brains and, and is uh, an evil in society. And if you're under the age of 20, then you probably think that every bit of technology is wonderful and is you know uh, completely good and there's nothing wrong with it and it only does uh, good in the world. And so uh, Dyer argues against both of those and says uh, that Uh, technology changes you, changes people just by the, the, um, just in its very form, um, not even based on its content. Uh, for example, in a, if we're talking about a book, um, so uh, like a simple example that he uses is a shovel. So, um, obviously you can use a shovel to do good things or to do bad things. You could uh, bury stolen goods with it or you could dig a foundation for a hospital so in that sense you can say that it's neutral it can be used for good or for bad but uh the shovel is going to change you no matter how you use it if you use it for good or for bad it's still going to give you calluses it's still going to you know make your shoulders stronger and your back stronger as you use it and so his basal case is that since it's transformational it's That makes it not neutral. Uh, So he also goes on and says things like, um, if you're a person that reads books, um, your mind is going to be uh, a certain way. And if you're a person that reads, uh, say, uh, Twitter online, then your mind is going to be a certain way. So it doesn't matter if maybe you're reading books, um, you know, you're reading, uh, I don't know, good or bad material, we'll just say. On in your books or on Twitter, you're reading good or bad material. Just the very fact of, um, for example, for a book is going to make you um, improve your focus. You're going to be able to think more linearly. Um, if you read more short form things like on Twitter, maybe your mind is um, able to multitask more. Or you're able to uh, connect information differently. Um, so basically he says... Each time we have a new technology, we need to consider how it's going to affect us and not just not just assume it's going to be evil because it's new and therefore is is uh, you know destroying society and not just good because it's new and going to improve things without having any negative effects. So it's really interesting. It's definitely stuff that I want to uh, think about some more. And um, definitely, um, I mean, there's tons and tons of stuff in there that, that he really uh really changes how you think on certain things so for example uh he talks about um every believer from um, Moses so and and he's a christian so he's writing from a christian uh, perspective um so he, for example he talks about um he says every believer from Moses to Martin Luther um encountered God's word by listening to it Um, they almost never had the chance to read it for themselves. So for nearly 3000 years, uh, nobody had a quiet time as we know it today. So he doesn't, he isn't saying that, um, no, it's not good to have a quiet time. Um, he's just pointing out that that's something that's come about because of our technology. That's something that's changed us. Um, he talks about, um, different things that we should think about as we're evaluating when we should use technology Uh, he talks about things like um, uh, how God has always had us uh, use tools like how um, you know even Adam was to uh, cultivate the garden and how Noah uh, built the ark so I mean you're already seeing technology right there at the beginning and uh, um, like he uses Noah specifically Um, And in in something that is going to sound familiar to you if you've read um, Surprised by Hope, um, he said, I'll just read the quote, "Uh, the use of the Ark seems to indicate that the physical world and what we make with it is so important to God that he graciously chooses to use what we make in his plan of redemption.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So stuff like that, that like just never, I mean, speaking for myself, just never even thought about, never really considered. Uh, He really um, shifts perspective on some different things. And so, uh, highly recommend, uh, getting this book. Uh, if you, uh, run into me and you want to borrow our copy, I'm, I'm more than happy to let you borrow it. And I'll, I'll definitely be recommending this to a bunch of people and, and trying to get it into as many hands as I can. Um, so, uh, Yeah, I mean, I could, I could read, I I took tons of notes, like of all the books I read this year, I have, uh, this is definitely the longest review because it's just so many notes that I took from the book. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes with all the links to our, all of our, uh, Goodreads reviews. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely go read that, go skim through that. Even if you don't have an opportunity to read the book, um, um, yeah. I, I would love to. I, I'm, not, I'm just having to stop myself from reading through everything. <laughs> uh, but uh, you definitely go check out the review. Definitely go check out the book. Anything you want to add, Melissa? Any oh, thoughts? well, just
0: what you said about uh, taking a whole bunch of notes. Uh, I forgot to mention, I did that with Surprise by Hope, actually. Oh, and, nice. Uh, actually, that was why I was able to talk about it a little bit more, I think, than you did when you read it. Yep. <laughs> Actually, remembered more of it because I took notes. All
1: right. Yeah, I'll have to go read through your notes and maybe we can talk about it some more. It's An interesting book. So, all right. Uh, and maybe we can. Uh, maybe I'll talk you through some of these notes off the air, and I can tell you some more of the interesting things. Okay. That were in this book, unless you were planning to read it anytime soon.
0: No, not anytime soon. All
1: right. Well, then I'll definitely read you <laughs> some of my notes because there's definitely a ton of interesting thoughts he has in here. So that's from the garden to the city. The Redeeming and Corrupting Power of Technology by John Dyer. And I guess I I will add, just because in the very title, From the Garden to the City, he also brings up the point that uh, Adam and Eve created in the garden, but God promises new Jerusalem, uh, you know, the heavenly city. So we are going from the garden to the city. We're not going back to the Edenic state. Going forward to a city, which means technology, mm-hmm. even just uh, things you don't think of as technology—walls, mm-hmm. houses—even if it's just things like that—that's technology. And uh, so, apparently, God is going to use those technologies that that we've developed, even if it's just things like houses and and walls. Those things are going to be part of of the new heaven and new earth. Not going to be going for us.
0: Going back to nature,
1: right? So or not. Not right, the same right. way. Yep. So, yeah, just some really cool, really cool thoughts. Definitely, uh, if you're interested in it all, you can talk to me about it anytime. I'm, I'll, I'll be happy to rattle off some more, <laughs> some more of his interesting stuff. So that's my number one, and uh, I'm pretty. I was, I was definitely happy with that book. Happier than uh, with the year overall.
0: Okay. Well, we have definitely gone on. For quite a while about our favorite books, but yes. there's still a few things that we want to hit. Few
1: things. So do you have your Goodreads year in books pulled up? I sure do. All right. So uh, how how many pages did you read this year?
0: I read compared to last year when I read seventeen thousand pages. Whoa. This year I read seven thousand five hundred and twenty-four. Yeah, well, you read a a lot lot of those uh, Wheel
1: of Time books while you were pregnant last year. So (laughs) that pumped it up.
0: And postpartum, too.
1: Yep. Uh, 9,900 pages for me this year. Okay. What was your shortest book?
0: My shortest book was an unexpected cookbook. An unofficial uh, guide to cooking, Mm -hmm. something like that, in Hobbit's time and Tolkien's time, whatever.
1: Nice. My shortest book, oh, how many pages was that?
0: It was 136 pages. Okay.
1: My shortest book was 113 pages. It was Architecting Modern Web Applications with ASP.NET Core and Microsoft Azure. <laughs> read that one at work. And uh, I think the title is the first 20 pages. Wow. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh,
0: my longest book was, surprisingly, The Terror. I oh, thought okay. The Red Knight would be the longest huh, book. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That was 769 pages. Okay.
1: Uh, the Stand, 1153 pages. Ooh, whoa. what was uh, my longest book. Although Herodotus, The Histories, that one felt longer. <laughs> was it, So what was your average? average uh, it was
0: about 327 pages. All right. Yeah.
1: 368 for me this year.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see. My most popular book, as mm-hmm. in most people have logged that they read it.
1: On Goodreads. All
0: uh, right was the fault in our stars okay which as you can see did not make my top 10 Mm -hmm. even though it's been raved about by (laughs) people more on that later
1: okay uh for me uh, over half a million people have also read the stand that's my most popular my least popular was the aforementioned architecting modern web applications with asp.net core and microsoft (laughs) azure i dare say a uh Quite a few people have read it, but only 24 people have put it on Goodreads. and That's not the kind of book you normally put on a site like Goodreads.
0: Okay. Uh, My least popular was Donald Duck, Trail of the Unicorn by Carl Barks. (laughs) Nice. So I read both of the Donald Duck comic books that you got me. And uh, those are five-star books, by the way. Uh, And they didn't make my top ten list, but they are really good books. Uh, If you like comics... You need to read these. These are about Donald Duck and his nephews and uh, sometimes you see Uncle Scrooge featured in them. A lot of times there's Gladstone Gander, uh, <laughs> sort of Donald's nemesis because he's Donald Duck does all the hard work and he's still kind of scraping by whereas Gladstone never lifts a finger and still has the world handed to him <laughs> most of the time. Uh, and it's just, they're really delightful reads uh, and those are five stars that didn't make the list for whatever reason.
1: Okay. What was your highest rated on Goodreads? Oh,
0: Nightwatch, definitely. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. What's that one?
0: Uh, it's got a 4.48 average, almost That's four and a half.
1: Nice. For me, highest was uh, 4.68 stars out of five for that web typography book. That is, uh, that is really a first class book in that genre. And then uh, my average rating was four point two.
0: My average rating was three point nine.
1: Interesting, even for a down year, my rating was still four point two. Yeah, average is still four point two. So, very yeah, it was very interesting.
0: It was mostly an average year for me. Yeah, I had a couple books that really dragged down my rating. Is the problem?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any others you want to talk about before we do feedback and?
0: Uh well uh we I wanted up. to talk about uh some of the stuff that we were are looking to read this year
1: oh yeah so Let's go ahead and do um, that.
0: some of my reading goals are uh we have a really big book uh called The Food Lab by yeah. J. Kenji Lopez Alt and he is a scientist he went to college for a science degree because his parents wanted him to. And I think partway through, uh, he was just like, I'm bored with this. I don't Mm -hmm. want to spend my life in a lab. Uh, I think he finished the degree to please his parents. And then he went and started working in a fast food restaurant. (laughs) And uh, because he loves food. Uh, And then working and he had no culinary experience whatsoever. But uh, started working his way up. And as he was... Working there, he had all these questions. Why Why do we do it this way? Uh, what makes the, you know, why does heat make the meat brown and so forth? And uh, started applying his scientific mind and discovered there are ways through science to improve home cooking mm-hmm. and restaurant cooking. I mean, just cooking in general. So uh, he's, been, he's written this great big tome of a book and I want to get through it. I started this, I don't know, at some point last year, and uh, I've always decided that it's a book that eventually I'm going to make my daughters read, all our kids read, and it'll be a, I think, a good science textbook too. Even uh, be able to do some fun experiments out of it and stuff. And uh, I'm actually developing notes on doing a class using this as a textbook. But anyway, I digress. I want to get through this book and I'm going to try a bunch of the recipes in there. I mean, he's he's got not only the science behind um, how to make things better, but also a, a whole lot of recipes and ones that he's perfected using these techniques. And they most of them just look so amazing, so good. And uh, it's written in a very good... Easy reading style. It doesn't read like a textbook or a cookbook. It reads like advice from a friend. Uh, he, <laughs> and at the beginning, he goes through the different tools he uses. Like he's done science, science-based research on what are the best pots and pans to use. And here's why. And then uh, he goes through if you can't afford, you know, this high-end one that's really the best. Well, here's a, a cheaper uh more common man affordable version that's mm-hmm. still pretty good and so uh i'm already i guess giving my review uh, yep. <laughs> right Save now it for next year. <laughs> i know but anyway i want to read through it okay so
1: okay you can't do that for every book you want to read i won't i won't year. i promise because it's have be a three hour podcast oh uh,
0: okay so anyway I'll, I'll stop gushing the food lab i'm gonna get through it this year and secondly, I think my other main goal is I want to read Don Quixote in Spanish, which we need to go ahead and buy that. Uh, so are we maybe, sure we can find it. Yeah, maybe for free tomorrow. Online. So yeah, those are I think my two main reading goals for the year.
1: Gotcha. All right. Before I get to those, I'm going to tell you some of the books I read that were best of the year they were published. So I started keeping track of these for my books. Night Watch the best book of 2002.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, my favorite of 2002 is what I'm saying. Oh. I think it's the best of 2002. From the Garden to the City, the best book from 2011. And The Retreat to Western Liberalism, the best book of 2017. The Stand, is the best book of 1978. And The Martian Chronicles, best book of 1950. And My Man Jeeves, my favorite book from 1919. Quite a... Quite a while ago for that one, and uh, *The A Terrible Beauty*, my favorite book from 2015. *The Pragmatic Programmer* is a uh, a four star book. Some good, definite, uh some good advice, especially if you're starting off as a developer. Best book of 1999, and then uh, another book is uh, best of 2009. We'll talk about that after the stinger. All right, so getting to books that are goals for me to read in 2019. I guess I should mention, uh, I don't think we mentioned it, that I was on the Hugo's There podcast, which is a podcast where uh, the host, Seth Heasley, is reading through all of the Hugo Award winners. It's a science fiction book award. And so I was on there talking about Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, one of my favorite books. And uh, I will put a link to that in the show notes. Eventually, we'll put that episode uh, into this feed, but that'll probably be later in the year for uh when we're taking a break later in the year so if you want to listen to it before then uh go see uh his uh hugo's there i think it's hugo's there com. you can check our show notes for the exact url anyway i read jonathan strange and mr normal last year still five stars still one of my favorites i want to read her uh same the author's collection of short stories again this year i want to read uh some more of some uh authors that i like So I'm going to read another Isaac Asimov. I'm going to read another Christopher Priest. I want to check out that If on a Winter's Night, a Traveler book that you reviewed a couple years ago. Yes. I want to finish up the Greek classics uh, that I have on my to-read list. So Aristotle, Aristophanes, and a few other books like that. Uh, Let's see. I want to go reread some Astro City books and read a bunch more of those this year. Read another N.T. Wright. Read some more in the Dark Tower series and War in Heaven by Charles Williams. Uh, The Graveyard Book and uh, Neverwhere and another Tim Powers book. Listen to the Terror audiobook. Another book by Connie Willis. She's the one that did To Say Nothing of the Dog. Reread uh, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Get another Ray Bradbury in this year. So, yeah, and there's there's a few others on there. I have about, I have 25 books that I want to get to this year. So we'll see if it happens. But I'm I'm excited about 2019. I think 2019 is going to be a better year for books than okay.
0: 2018 was. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to mention about the Graveyard book. That was one of the ones that I read this year. And that was an honorable, yeah. honorable mention for me. Nice. Uh, it just, in fact, that was my number 11. It just missed. Nice, nice. So, yeah, that was, I think you'll enjoy that one. Cool. Another hit for Neil Gaiman.
1: All right. Well, 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 well. We've already been going close to two hours on this podcast, so we might as well do some feedback. So here's all the feedback we haven't gotten to (laughs) from the past few weeks. So for episode 13, top 10 lists will never do, Megan asked, since it wasn't mentioned... Does this mean there will be a top 10 list of Donut Man songs? No. And to that I say that was probably my number 11. <laughs> uh, episode 56, Pet Peeves. Megan says uh, she really thought uh, liked listening to it. Styrofoam doesn't bug her. Sharing songs doesn't bug her. Uh, but she did think our picks were good. Hers that Her uh, pet peeves include things like saying voila instead of voila. <laughs> uh, pronouncing Reese's. Like Reese's peanut Reese's. butter cups as Reese's, yep. And uh, people using a ton of adjectives and filler words, and they yell for five minutes instead of just saying one sentence to communicate their point. For episode ninety-seven, games to play on the dice tower cruise, our friend Joshua was uh, drooling profusely, <laughs> thinking about playing board games all day on a cruise.
0: It was pretty nice. I'm not gonna not gonna lie about it.
1: Yeah. And he said that, um, Melissa, you definitely have to play Takinoko. And he used some all caps.
0: More to come on that so, in the next yeah, episode. We
1: did get to play it, Josh. So we will talk about it. And uh, he recommends it. Really like He and his wife really like it. Uh, episode 98, Joshua also said uh, one of his favorites is Emanuel. Oh, oh, I think we both like that well one. Well done. For episode 100, 10 to 1 episodes, top 10 10 to 1 episodes, uh, Joshua said he was ashamed that he didn't send in any of his thoughts ahead of time, but congratulations on 100 episodes.
0: Oh, thanks. And he
1: just has so many favorites, he couldn't pick one. Aww. But he does like uh, funny Bible stories, VeggieTales songs. He likes the food saga, so cereals, fast food, frozen pizzas. He likes our yearly game podcasts, which... We are doing, that is our next episode. We're doing year, another yearly game podcast. It's not going to be a yearly game podcast anymore. It's going to be on a rotation, but uh, this year's sure, going to be a good one. I'm sure we'll work in some board game podcasts. Uh, we'll still work those in. And uh, he also thought one of our funniest episodes was Inherently Funny Words. Oh, good. And then last on our New Year's Resolutions, episode 101, Joshua said uh, we're gonna, he thinks we're going to have a busy year with all the stuff we're talking about we're wanting to do. He doesn't usually do New Year's resolutions. He usually just tries to make the change whenever he realizes that a change needs to be made. But he did make a resolution this year and uh, that he's a writer, but he doesn't write regularly. And so this year, he wants to write something every day, even if it's just a paragraph or just a blog.
0: Good for you, so Josh. he
1: said uh, he's not 100%. But he by the end of January wants to be doing it every single day. So this is the last day of January and hopefully Joshua you're there. Yeah, let and, us uh, know how you're doing. Yeah, let us know. And uh yeah, maybe we could check you said I see you said uh a blog, so we'll have to send us your blog. We'll uh we'll have to check it out. Yeah. Cool. Well that's all the feedback, but I'm sure we'll get more feedback. We could get it from you. Melissa, how are they gonna give us that feedback?
0: TTO at coser.us. That's our email address. yeah TTO.coser.us is our website. Mm-hmm. And if you go, if you add a slash 103, you'll go straight to the show notes for this particular episode.
1: Yep. Go see uh, comments, leave comments. You can see our uh, Goodreads years in review, which have some of those statistics we we're talking about. You can go see links to all of our reviews for all the books that were on our list. And was there anything else we were going to put in the show notes? I don't even remember. I think I said something. Oh, the link yeah. to the Hugo's there podcast yeah. will also be there.
0: No, there was something also about one of the books that you read. I thought. I, I, think, it no, was, I think it was the link reviews. to yeah the link to all those those quotes that you had from I think it was your favorite book from the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's just the review. That's all or, my review. Or
0: not your not your favorite book the the technology. Uh, and how it affects us yeah that okay. that was my number one okay
1: from the garden of the city yeah that's on my review it'll be no not that in one in the show notes
0: was it yep okay sure was right. this this podcast has gone on so long it's, it's all swimming together now
1: i guess so <laughs> well with that why don't we uh wrap this one up
0: i'm melissa Kozer.
1: i'm brian Kozer.
0: you've been listening to 10 to 1
1: All right. So it's time for one of the best parts of the episode. Most disappointing book and worst book of the year. So uh, maybe I'll go ahead and go first with my most disappointing, and then I'll let you go with both of yours. I think my most disappointing was A Night in the Lonesome October. It's one that I'd looked forward to uh, for years. And uh, if you look at the cover of the book, it's. All these different characters. So you've got like Sherlock Holmes and Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula. And let's see, I think the Wolfman and I don't have it here with me anymore. I think I got rid of the book. I don't remember who else is out there, but it's all these different fun characters and they're all standing around in this looks like a library maybe. And there's a butler and they're all, you know, talking. And so... Um, I knew this book was like a a mashup a crossover of all those different characters. There's something happening around Halloween and so I expected you know they're all at a a party and they're all interacting and that was gonna be really neat. Well, guess what the picture on the cover is a scene that is not in the book
0: no all of the
1: character none <laughs> there's not a scene where all of the characters are all together. there's little interaction and you're following a dog around. The dog is the main character, just woofing around the place. He is an intelligent fellow, but boy, was this one a disappointment. <laughs> it's an all right book, but uh, I mean, I've read some. This was uh, Zelazny, and I've read a few of his books, and um, this one did not impress me. I'm definitely going to still check out uh, the rest of, uh, you know, Lord of Light and uh, his Chronicles of Amber. I've I've liked, but. Boy, this one was really disappointing. And then um, maybe more disappointing was uh, The Lost World of Genesis 1. Uh, so I don't really feel like getting into this one tonight. But uh, yeah, we'll get into this one another time. But I expected I expected more from the book. And uh, I expected it to be a, a, a slam dunk, basically. And it was sort of a rattle around the hoop. kind of a thing so um yeah ask me about that one sometime i'll 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 talk to you about it but uh it's late i don't feel like like ranting about that one anymore so melissa tell me not what your worst was but what your most disappointing was then we'll do your worst
0: yes my most disappoint disappointing was a book called the kind worth killing Okay, mm. and before you think like um a mass murderer or a psychotic person, this is a book that had four and five star reviews. Like you mm-hmm. scroll down and just keep scrolling down and that is almost overwhelmingly what you find. The lowest that you find is three stars and you okay. know that's just cuz not every book is for everybody. And so I was like I was pretty excited. This was going to be uh a really good book i th- i thought at least a 4 star book hmm. and i'm going to read a little bit of of the the tease i guess a devious tale of psychological suspense that sounds pretty good i like the the ones that kind of mess with your mind involving sex well no deception cool and an accidental encounter that leads to murder okay so i i'm, I'm picturing kind of and I, a more R rated Agatha Christie, um, and I didn't even finish this book. Okay. I got three hours into the audiobook and pretty much all that the main characters had done was drink and have sex. And I was, I was done. I was like, you know what? If the author doesn't care enough about their book to, to write a more of the more of a plot more of a story or or something more of a look into these people's uh characters than than just things that you know they think are going to be that are going to grab at our baser instincts than I was just like, I'm done with you. Apparently I quit right before like there's this really big twist that get, makes the book get really good. And I read the twist and I was like, Yeah, maybe it would have been good, but I was just so fed up with this book at that point. And one star, I I'm I hated this book. Very disappointed. That was the kind worth killing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that one did look good, but I will be skipping it. Yeah. All right, how about your worst?
0: Oh, you know my worst. <laughs> so, we listen to this podcast <laughs> called 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. And uh on this podcast, the two car- two guys, they um they read a book that they are pretty sure they're going to dislike, probably hate. And so Brian had read the first book that they uh, processed, which was Ready Player One. So it was my turn to read the next book, which Yay. was its spiritual successor, Armada. Yay. Not quite a sequel because it doesn't—it's not the same characters, same universe, or whatever. No,
1: but from what I
0: understand, all. it's uh, so much dumber than Ready Player One. Yep. And like even fans. Brian didn't like RP1. Right. Uh, and amidst all the, the gushing of everybody else of how it's so wonderful and it takes you down nostalgia lane. Mm-hmm. And even fans of RP1 say that Armada is awful. So I knew going in that this was probably going to be pretty bad. And boy, did it, it didn't disappoint. This is not a book that you get through without listening to 372 pages. Um, Take a red pen to it, like I did. That that makes it a lot more satisfying. Uh, underline, uh, circle your favorite parts. The they have a se- segment called "Dumb Sentence of the Week." Oh, that definitely uh, crops up pretty often uh, in this book. And uh, just to just to tease how dumb this book is I'm going to read uh, probably the worst sentence that I've ever read in a book. Few young men... Okay, so this is the main character, and he walks into his living room, and he sees his mom, and he thinks to himself, few young men know the Oedipal torment of growing up with an insanely hot, perpetually single mom. (laughs) And that was the... I would throw this book out the window <laughs> yeah. if I wasn't doing it for, for homework's sake so that I could, uh, <laughs> so that we could yeah. make fun of it with, with these guys. Wow. This is such a bad book with such a terrible plot. And I mean, they poke holes. I mean, it's, it's got glaring. They don't have to poke holes, uh, because they, they just point out the holes that somehow mm-hmm. the author did not see. And apparently there was nobody to, proofread this like uh and say dude don't don't write this okay this is just bad mm-hmm. bad literacy right here. So yeah the worst book of the year was Armada.
1: Wow. Nice. Okay. Uh by Ernest
0: Klein by the way.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm glad I didn't have to read that one. And uh, for me there it was a couple books that I did not finish. Uh, although I didn't give a rating to, uh, the dragon and the George. Um, I guess I probably would have given that one a, an average rating, I guess. I don't know. Uh, said definitely a seventies fantasy novel, just not my cup of tea anymore. I probably would have liked it in high school.
0: Yeah. That's about what I put it's, it's pretty lame by the time you're an adult.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other one I, I did rate, I gave it two stars. It's called wool. It's got um, an interesting premise. That's a uh, premise that I like. It's uh, people living in a silo because the outside world is toxic. And so you've got that uh, thing that I like where people are in a, uh, you know, it's a a small community in a confined space. So, you know, I like that in like a a college setting or a spaceship setting or a, a sailing ship setting. And I liked it okay here, but... Uh, Everything else is pretty pedestrian. The characters are very thin. Um, the writing, I mean, uh, I I said in my review, it's, it's a little bit unfair that I had, you know, a a month or two before this, I'd read Don Quixote and I'm reading this book, which was, uh, you know, uh, this guy published on, on Amazon. Um, but I mean, the writing just is not great. Um, The plot is really predictable. Like uh, the first short story is fine. You can go read that. But after that, everything is um, very predictable, very cliched. Um, I mean, (laughs) I I have on here, fill their water bottles. The obviously evil man says, probably poison, I think. (laughs) Read some more pages. Yep, poison. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I stopped reading this one. Um also the audio book i listened to this one on an audiobook, and it was not great i'm not i i think pretty much all the audiobook narrators that I've heard uh with the exception of will Wheaton and now amanda sale i've i've thought were fine if not really enjoyed but uh amanda's just uh she was really over the top with her character voices in this one it seemed like she was reading for children. Even though it's not a children's book, so, uh, so that is Wool, the Wool Omnibus, and then I'll go ahead and also tell you, because I completely forgot last year, and it's because it's a book I didn't finish. Um, I gave another book last year as my uh, least favorite, but that's because I was only looking at books that I'd finished. I left this one out. I will not make that mistake again. And uh, worst book from last year is Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. This is a one-star book. It's really terrible, um I stopped halfway through um, i this was back when I was trying to read a thousand books by April, so I would have stopped sooner, but I thought I needed this for my goal, so I just kept reading it and when I realized I did not need it to meet that one thousand book goal i I stopped right then. <laughs> um, the good is that the audiobook narrator was pretty good. And the plot has parallel universes, but uh, the characters are two dimensional, very, very uninteresting. Uh, The main character is the smartest man in the world, but he's an idiot. Um, He's he's a scientist whose main work is in parallel universes. Apparently that's a thing, but he never considers the possibility that he's in a parallel universe when as a reader, it's very obvious that that's that's what's happened. He's gone through a machine at the beginning, and he's in a parallel universe, but he never considers that possibility for some reason. Um, so he arrives in a strange place, and there's people that seem to know him, and they recognize him, they're talking to him. Instead of asking them questions, he runs away and hides <laughs> until they start killing people around him, and then he thinks, I will go with these people and find what they want. <laughs> like, why didn't you do that in the first place, you idiot? Wow. Um, the, the writing is really poor. Uh, really could have used an editor. It's written in present tense, which I hate. Um, I really hate that. Everything should be in past tense with a few exceptions. Uh, it was really, it started off really, really boring. Um, and, um, in the end, I wasn't even interested enough to go read the Wikipedia summary and find <laughs> out how it ended. I still have no idea how this one ends, and I care not at all so terrible such a waste of a, of uh, that good parallel universe premise you can you can do great great stories with that but uh, this is terrible this is one of my least favorite books and again this is like the kind of worth killing where I mean it's getting four and five stars on goodreads on it I don't understand because uh, it's it's the kind of thing that they could read on on 372 pages I think wow so it's it's uh, suggested Yeah, I think I will.